Welcome to you all who have come to this wonderful Inside Meditation Retreat Center, which is celebrating next year, 20 years anniversary. I have never, never taken one year off. I come very faithfully from the first year till now will probably be part of the celebration next year. And also what I noticed, <clears throat> every time I come here, I see that there has been a marvelous effort uh, brought forth to sustain this beautiful place. Those who have come more often here have pe perhaps noticed the same. To sustain this place and also to provide us in increasingly with more comfort and beauty. Is that not true? Have you noticed? Annex and so on, other things, new walls. Mending that what crumbles and heals that what is broken. So in a way I feel when I come here it is, um, or like any other retreat center, with sometimes even my own, that I, <laughs> we come here, it is like a coming to a monastery. Perhaps a um, few of you have wondered what a life of a nun and a monk in a monastery is. Some maybe have experienced it, but those who haven't and have wondered, I think you will have a little opportunity um, somehow to get a little taste of that life right here in the time you, will, you, you are spending here. And that is not to say that you should have that experience whatever it is that will be, maybe that what, what we originated. So a retreat center is a, is a place in which we are, uh, which we are si relatively silent and uh, experience stillness and some ease in our, for ourselves. We are here freed of providing for shopping and food and of um, professional obligations. There are not so much distraction. And what is left <clears throat> for us is a space, I think, in which we are, can contemplate life or practice vipassana meditation. So, um, in un, in, in uh, undistracted ways. So we come together these, these days, um, for whatever time you have come, and uh, um, be free from our um, ob obligations, uh, for be free from telephone and rental problems, or marital problems, relationship problems, and others from the things which make or play a great part of our lives. And here we find a little room and a little space 
in which we can dedicate ourselves to what we are calling now Vipassana meditation, can learn about this thing. A few of you <coughs> have uh, somehow uh, are old, uh, being old students will will know what that means. It means nothing else but exploring our own lives. Hmm? And uh, in the words of Don Juan, it says, uh, um, we are exploring here life, um, our, um, our lives uh, through um, developing that uh, ability which can play witness to our lives, to see all the marvels of it. The Buddha, <coughs> who is our our teacher or our guide um, for this practice um, expresses it in there in another way. This practice, <clears throat> this spiritual practice you have come to is uh, just the process of awakening, he says. When he was asked who he is and what he does or what he is, he simply replied, I am awake. There are no marvels to explore, nothing for him, just plain, I am awake. The name Buddha stands for this, for one who is awake. And as I already said, he is giving us guidelines for our awakening process. And it is this experience, my dear, Dharma sisters and Dharma friends, <clears throat> Dharma brothers. That is the heart and essence of vipassana or insight meditation. This experience of awakening, it offers us, when we practice it, <clears throat> um, it offers us a way that can of practice that can awaken us and can open us to see very clearly our lives. What is our lives? Our bodies is our lives. Our mind is our life. We can say also our heart does not refer to the beating heart that is body. It refers to the finer mind, I will say, to the one who, who senses awakeness, perhaps, to our heart, to our minds. And it offers also a practice by which we can awake to the world around us, not only to our own lives, and then it offers a practice in which we can develop a wise and a very compassionate way to relate and to understand all of it. Our world and the world we live in and the world which surrounds us. Doesn't that sound good? The practice 
this practice comes from the Buddha, as I already said. And when we realize that this, partic- this awakened Buddha <clears throat> was a human being and lived six, I read the other day, 600 years before cr- the time, before Christ, that is now 2,500 years ago. Um, and uh, it is, um, <clears throat> this, this insight meditation is its core of this teaching, of the Buddha's teaching. And again, 2,500 years old, and it still is available for us. I mean, when you really realize it, it extends your hair up. For one reason, we haven't learned much. <laughs> it's what was valid for the time where they had their, where they were transporting themselves with ox carts and elephants, and we are now with jets um, zooming through the air. But what refers to the heart and to the mind and to our roots of being is not being touched, is not changed. It's the same. You can see it from the fact that this teaching is still valid for us, we still can use it. It's wonderful. So, it's not an Asian or an ancient practice. (laughs) It is something very universal. And uh, um, actually, it is a practice for everyone, anyone who wants and feels that need to awaken, can awaken through this practice to the truth of life. And as a result, can become free. So, it is a path of awakening, this insight meditation. And the Buddha, uh, a big, um, uh, and uh, the Buddha um, points out that uh, it begins with uh, what he um, coined, uh, coined as right understanding. It's also very, uh, very um, heart opening when you really uh, realize that it begins with right understanding implies something is wrong in our understanding and always was. So, right understanding, and it asks very simple question in the beginning. It asks questions of our heart, or our hearts, hmm? and the question is directed to, you will maybe recognize it, what is, what do we really value? What is, uh, um, what is it that I care for? most in this life? Who recognizes the question and who sees uh, uh, themselves um, somehow sorting out these questions in the big chaos of everyday life? Our life is very short. When we ask this question, it becomes very apparent. Um, Inevitably do we realize 
the fleetingness in of our lives. And, and our childhood is gone for all of us already. The adolescence also for all of us. For many, um, uh, um, the, the adulthood is somehow fading away and old age is winking and uh, waving its flag. I can tell you that. I didn't realize it. Just when I really now realize, I know I'm 72 years old. So, and then ahead of that is death. It's um, now, um, when we realize this, um, well, we can somehow just uh, move with that, uh, uh, with that wave and let everything disappear in our dreams or in our wishful thinking. Or we can practice wakefulness, awakeness, and become aware or awake. We have a choice. So that is what is the very, very beginning of right understanding. We must ask this most, um, what is most important to us. And also, um, what uh, do I want to have done in life? And what did I, would I like to think about it when my time has come to say goodbye? This is very alar alarming, this question or this thought for many. Unless we really look into it, we will not find rest and we will not come to right understanding. It is said that uh, those who live uh, a conscious life and you know, conscious awareness at the hour of their death, they are just asking two questions. And that is, have I loved deeply and uh, thoroughly to, so that there are no regrets? Do I uh, have lived wisely? It must be very terribly uh, uh, devastating, I think, and um, frightening <clears throat> and inhibit perhaps to letting go this life when there is time uh, when one realizes one has uh, very little done of that. I remember uh, the, the, uh, a friend of mine, it's a wife of uh, 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 Aldous Huxley, she told me that uh, this was a question silently, apparently, at his death. What have I done? Or did I love enough? But he answered it loud. The question was, he said, the, the answer was, all what we have to do in this life to open our heart to more lovingness and kindness. So he saw that uh, at that hour very, very, very truly hmm, as a truth. So <clears throat> we can ask this question too. Have, we don't need to wait <laughs> to the last hour. We can ask now, do I live wisely? Do I dream too much or do I love enough? Can I love more? 
This is the beginning of right understanding. It is that simple and that close to our heart. <clears throat> so we are looking at our lives then, seeing that it is fleeting, it is impermanent, and then taking into account what we value most deeply. And then in the same way we can look at the world around us. For as you remember I said in the beginning, it is a practice by which we can come to learn about the world around us and understand it correctly. So in the same way now as we have looked at our own lives, we look at the lives in the world around us. The near world, the close world and the far away world where there is tremendous amount of suffering wherever we look. There are wars, there is starvation, there is hunger, there is a lack of medicine, there is sickness. So um, inevitably we will kind of feel how can we help, how can we change the situation. How can we provide a more safer place for all beings on this globe? And then we realize also that so many things are already done to make changes, but they were all things which passed by the human heart. They came from uh, changes, from economic changes and government changes and social changes, and they didn't do too much. Why? because all these deep difficulties and problems we have globally or nationally or individually, they are coming from the human heart. They are created by the mind and the heart in forgetfulness and they also, the solution of the trouble lies in the human heart, not in these great systems we have activated and brought about to help. They have their value, value, but they cannot reach to the marrow of the bone. So, and uh, then we realize, <clears throat> as we continue looking at it, at our lives, that, and the world around us, that there is a lot of misunderstanding the troubles come from misunderstanding, from, from fear, from projections, from hatred and separation. And uh, that all is what can be found only in the human heart, no other system, and no other systems outside of it. So that is referring all to right understanding. It starts with acknowledging these things, these, uh, um, this world <clears throat> in its suffering, in its, uh, in its um, confusion, in its misunderstanding. And it also starts with um, um, looking at the suffering and the difficulties within our own hearts, within our own lives. True? True? We cannot argue that. It's hard to argue with wisdom. 
you will always lose, I promise you, from the beginning. <laughs> so, so then, um, then when we have uh, um, sorted that out, we go back again what we value most and, uh, fa- and uh, um, ask, <clears throat> this is what right understanding asks us, to see what we value most and to understand that and also it asks right understanding asks us to find what we really care about to find what we really care about <clears throat> that comes from right understanding the answer comes from right understanding our own process and that <clears throat> can then become the basis of our spiritual path, of our spiritual practice, and can become the basis of vipassana meditation, which is our spiritual path. So but we see now that things are not quite right with in the world and within ourselves. We then become aware of some other possibilities, and as a first one, of the potential for us to open to greater loving-kindness and uh, to greater compassion and with that to greater intuitive wisdom. So, and uh, from in this way we come, we, uh, we receive our, from this heart our spiritual aspiration, our guideline for our flame for our spiritual practice. And for some, um, as you may have, uh, may, may recognize, as I say, some came just to, to, uh, from this feeling uh, to find out more or how deep my suffering is, or uh, uh, to get it in terms, to, uh, with, in terms, to get to terms with this suffering or others may have just come um, aspired from the from a, a longing for being more connected to the divine a divinity in you or to life in general others just uh, feel i don't know enough i want to find out i want to understand more correctly and inquire more deeply into the life i live into my heart, into my emotions, into my thoughts and my ideas. So that is the very beginning of right understanding. If you hold to that, you are on good guide, you have a good guideline and you will be guided uh, for you are not go very safely for you not going away from that what concerns you very, very deeply and see in the last uh, chamber, so to speak, in your heart. And it will help protect you in your life and will protect uh, and bring you gradually to deeper understanding. So for that inspires for more practice. Another aspect for tonight about right understanding is uh, that it asks from us the recognition of what we call the law of karma. 
I do mention it for we ago. Some are only a short while here, a few days, two days or three. And it is the most important aspect of right understanding and to integrate it into our lives. I would like to quote the Dalai Lama when he was asked about anatta or this law of um, about the importance of the law of non-self or the the law of um, of karma. And he said, um, um, it is much more of greater importance to learn and to integrate the law of karma in your life, for it is at hand with you and lives as you from moment to moment. And you have here a direct touch with your life and something you can experience directly. From that you will gradually come clarify more that so very difficult to un understand uh, the very difficult law of, of anatta so um, um, it is not nothing mystical this law of karma it is um, no idea about something is no nothing no esoteric teaching about past experiences or former lives and so on it is just plain the, 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 what happens from moment to moment in our lives through our action and speech that what we experience now become, is providing uh, uh, the result for the next moment and again becomes the cause for the next result. It means of what we do and how we act create our future experience this law of cause and effect. If we are angry at many people, we will create a very angry and unpleasant atmosphere and climate. A climate of hate and in which we are hating and being hated. Very great, uh, great uh, stress to live under. It's just that simple uh, to understand whatever we do, however we act or react, creates how we will be. Now take a moment and see your life and see whether you can confirm what comes through your mind now. This law, we don't live in that awareness that is unfortunate, not deep enough of course, Many of you do, but there's always another depth and refinement possible when we are practicing the Buddha teachings. So we create through this karma the world we want, through this law, integrating this law of karma. I think it is the most wonderful thing uh, uh, that exists and can be taken up because within this law there is the possibility for our lives to change, to take a different course and different direction of our lives. We all have streaks 
found in our life streaks and things which we do not like, which we rather like to look away from or run away, and, and not like to be in, to involve ourselves or look at it. And that is missing that I can change the situation when I do that. They, as our practice will um, reveal or unfold throughout this course, we will come to understand this much more deeply, how it works, not through doing anything, but just through allowing to be there where the difficulty is and where I feel myself to turn away. That is the point where I can change the direction of my life. The direction I like to have when I consider that, that what I value most and realize my, the suffering, the dissatisfaction in my own heart and in the hearts of all those who live with me in the near and in the far. It is that simple. So we can practice now, and when we take it up more closely, this law of cause and effect, more being more loving. That's one very good way to do. More aware, more conscious of what we are doing and how we are doing. We can practice that in retreats, of course, and in the supermarket, in the line, a cashier line, or whilst waiting in the post office, or whilst driving your car. And we will inevitably um, then come to realize that we are increasing our, um, the attitude of loving kindness, of friendliness, and reduce through that alone a great deal of our loneliness or separatedness. And we will find ourselves more accepted by ourselves and others in the world around us. So that is real spiritual practice. It's not some this law of karma is not a repetition or ritual, some kind of prayer. It works through conscious realizing the law of cause and effect and aligning our lives to it. So that should be our, our dear friend, our closest company, will never let us down. Number one lover never lets you down. So, as you listen and feel yourself being here, perhaps you feel a sense of awakening already happening in ourselves. And I like you to remind at that moment that it is not a thing to rely on with good hope and good faith. We have to realize right now that it does not come by itself and not from any direction of this world, and not from the greatest holy post office. It happens only when we are giving energy to it and engaging ourselves in this process of awakening.
there are or in this integrating very specifically now we talk about karma in this uh, 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 um, integrating this law of cause and effect and it's not so difficult we can really follow here um, a good uh, um, some disciplines given by the Buddha's teaching we can uh, follow um, some certain laws the teachings is a law too by which we can <clears throat> actualize this potential to integrate deeply and be led and guided by the law of karma how we act and relate to ourselves how we relate to our bodies to our and to the people around us, to our work, creates the world or the kind of the world we live in. We are the creator of it. There is no need to, to, to pity ourselves and to cry about it. There is only when you realize it isn't going well to stand up and to look deeply at this very moment to have courage to see what brought us to this, what was the cause, and this is the effect. And we, if we re realize this deeply, we find the power to change the direction, that moment. Now, <clears throat> that is... Um, that's, that creates, that alone uh, creates our very freedom from suffering. When we can step into this and others, the whole teaching is nothing but that. <clears throat> Over the years, throughout various cultures, there have, in the Buddhist uh, tradition, <clears throat> Buddha's teaching, have uh, um, given different, many different ways to bring this aspiration in our hearts to fruition um, in different ways, I said. But we should realize that the essence of awakening process is always the same. It is to see clearly and directly what what is true about ourselves the truth of our experience in each moment that is a very uh, uh, con, uh, you know congested uh, statement it becomes clearer as we continue practicing and our minds become more refined and more able to see more precisely into this mental emotional processes so it's always the same the basis the essence of this awakening process or the practices to see clearly and directly our experience each moment and <clears throat> to be aware and to be mindful no more is to be done the cube where does lay, lay now the great great secret of the teaching in this in just being present being mindful to each moment of our experience 
That is the power of transforming. That is the power of healing and of bringing ignorance to a halt and letting wisdom arise. So the practice is a very systematic, the practice itself now, Vipassana meditation, is a systematic development of opening uh, and, and opening of awareness of the of uh, called by the Buddha the, this system which he offers us for the practice of being aware that Satipatthana Maha Satipatthana or mindfulness or awareness of body of feelings coming from body and mind awareness of state of minds mental states and awareness of the contents of the mind, our thoughts. So, and also in, in more particularly, it refers then to the thoughts which dwell in the efforts to understand, which can be the Dharma topics and the topics which help us clarifying our practice. To succeed in the cultivation of mindfulness, says the Buddha, is of highest benefit. Um, it informs for the human being, for it informs this practice, the cultivation of mindfulness, it informs us of all aspects of our lives very precisely. It dis lets us discover our lives, our minds, our hearts, our bodies. And at first look, it, uh, we would uh, feel uh, somehow, uh, while well, the question, arising, how shall I do that? Where, how shall I begin? It looks like my life is a real kind of a big assembly of problems, of hardships, of confusion, of little, little understanding. It's difficult, it's almost like you it's an untangling of something in us here. So how to begin is, well, again, with mindfulness, with the power of attention. <clears throat> we now uh, have to see very clearly and to look into the field of our emotions, our fears, our attachments, our aversions. We have to look into our forms of suffering and joys or happiness in all aspects and that means of course we are directing attention to all of these things to all of our experiences and we are learning by that number one to be quiet and not to justify and not to defend and not to uh, to, to excuse but just to be quiet and to listen into that what we see in ourselves. 
in our bodies, in our minds and in our hearts. And that is the way and only, this only way to come to wisdom, to develop wisdom or to build up the little wisdom we have to its completeness. If we have, if we don't do that, there is no way for us to come to in any real restfulness in our lives. Wisdom is not built up by ideals or uh, projections or wishful thinking <clears throat> or any philosophical system cannot do that. We have to find it in our hearts, for in our hearts is the confusion and in our hearts is all the entanglement. So, and that is alone is uh, the, um, um, to this alone is insight meditation or vipassana meditation directed. Directed to bringing understanding about ourselves means also bringing understanding to our minds, of our minds. For our lives is forged forward and lived, we may say by body, by heart, but actually it means all by mind. Mind is proceeding everything. Without your mind, there would not be sitting body here. There would be no heart crying or being joyful. So, and that is our practice. It begins with a train, um, uh, with a training of the mind, cultivating the mind, <clears throat> cultivating that aspect which we do not practice well, and I have just a little bit at the in the nebulous around somewhere around us, touch it sometimes and say, "Ah, yeah, I knew it." Just a little intuition, but here the training begins now for us. Uh, cultivating the mind to this aspect we call awareness or mindfulness and it is nothing else at, uh, as it, it, nothing else but a, uh, um, a process of inquiry into ourselves again and from this point of view when we want uh, the question, what is Vipassana meditation? What is meditation in, in general? What is the spiritual path? And from this point of view, it is equal to the question, who am I? What am I? What does it mean to be a human being and to live and to be alive? What does it mean to die? Or what does it mean to be free? That deep is this practice. It is not a question of, of um, what is meditation um, or um, what, what it can... But it is a question of our lives, a real, real existence, um, um, existential question is this. This question, what is meditation? It is um, about the nature of our lives, 
it is the nature of a question of the nature of of death. So and they cannot be that easily answered uh, these questions by uh, by uh, things we read about, which are, is useful what we read and sometimes helpful, but we must realize as we read, it is somebody else's understanding, not ours. And this understanding cannot be integrated here. The mind will not, never understand it until it gives up its condition and sees for himself this process. So then there is... Um, uh, so, um, This is very important to, to understand, and it is a wonderful thing to know that uh, uh, we can discover, that we can have uh, the wherewithal to discover these, um, the answers to these questions, what is my life, what it means freedom. If we don't, my dear friends, you would also agree with me, much of our lives is spent on automatic pilot and we have done a lot of that and many people have not even yet thought about it in any other way but continue to live on automatic responses or pilots pass through life, years of life driven by greed and aggression by fear and anxieties by accusation and endlessly by grasping after security in these very odd ways, grasping for affection, grasping for sexual pleasures, asking for power, grasping for wealth or fame or other pleasures. <clears throat> it is a grasping in general for security, for sec securing something what cannot be secured. This endless cycle of grasping, <clears throat> and which, come, which extends from birth to death for most people, is called by the Buddha the samsara. So it is rare for us when you realize that you are breaking into this automatic way of life and have already made beginnings and that we are realizing that we are working with this life that is given to us and we are not wasting it <clears throat> of which we know that we grow that we are growing older and that we eventually die so um, that this question, what is life about? What means die? Why do I have to die? Why is so much suffering? And this, this, this awareness of this suffering, of this condition involved in this life, that was the beginning for the Buddha's spiritual path. When he saw <coughs> that uh, how lives are involved in suffering, how beings are being born and continue in it and grow old and die. And um, that was um, 
His question was, how can I come to an end to it? How can I evade it? Not by taking my life, but by looking at this life deeply in compassion and in loving kindness. That is where he began his practice. Each of us, we all have our, in, have this uh, question posed in our own ways and uh, try to understand this life. And that is the point of Vipassana meditation, to understand this life deeply, understand ourselves and all our experiences. That is um, Vipassana meditation. That is insight meditation, to understand all this and to become free and to live that life in freedom. It doesn't need to finish. <clears throat> so, well, let me see the time. So, um, as I already mentioned, <clears throat> there are different ways of understanding. Uh, our lives we can read, I said that, and we can listen to friends uh, to, who uh, give us good advices and say, look here, this way you have to do it. It's all very useful. And we have followed this too. However, it was never satisfying, for it isn't our own. The advice does not come from our heart where the troubles are stored. That we have to really realize. Then there is the understanding that comes from being very analytical and uh, uh, or from wise people who tell us what to do. And it can come from wise consideration and reflection from our own minds and hearts. Oh, I have seen that. I have thought it through. I know how it works. Haven't we not done that? But still, after a while, it will fail us to satisfy us deeply. For it still is not it has been um, uh, um, it has been handled with a mind which hasn't been awakened with a mind which is a rational mind which is the intellectual mind comes from anal analysis and from thinking it through it cannot give the right answers to these questions why do did I, do I have to live this life? Why do I live it the way I do? Why do I have to die? What is freedom, really? What is real meditation? And what is death? So that is not available, <coughs> but uh, uh, on these deeper levels, um, uh, this uh, we cannot come with the intellectual and the rational mind to any solution, to good answers to these deep questions. <coughs> Who am I? What is love? What is death? Hmm? And that is what the Buddha discovered for us, that there is an answer 
a real satisfying answer to this question. And it, he gives us a guideline to it and he says that we have to come to a deep quiet, to such a quiet which is below all activity, which, has, which opens the channel to our intuition and which allows us the ability to, 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 um, to come forth, to see clearly and directly things in the way they are, that, that what is true about our lives. So, and that is what you and we all now are going to engage in ourselves, to, to do this process of awakening, of uh, creating the channels to our intuition, to refine our minds to that capacity and ability to see directly and clearly by applying mindfulness and awareness to all these aspects of our lives. You can sell your television set, you can give up all your great habits or your great hobbies, you can replace it with this practice and you can be assured that you will be richly awarded. For awakening is inevitable if you engage yourself in this way. And that is on one level nothing else but following the Buddha Dharma or the Buddha path. Now that is not a brainwashing, don't accuse me for that. And it is, is not something personally from me. I just uh, convey to you what the Buddha teaching is and what is available in myself as to what I have seen and as being true and what works. So I will um, engage ourselves, uh, all of us, in different ways in order to refine this mind, to bring about this mindfulness, this awareness, this ability to see clearly. And I support it with different ways of meditation. It is walking, it is a traditional way. I step a little bit out of the traditional path at times. That means I don't do anything else, but I don't, I take other aspects of the Maha Satipatthana, of the four foundations of mindfulness, into the formal training. There are very few things traditionally from this big teaching taken as into the formal training. We train awareness to the body sensations in our formal training. We train our mindfulness and, and uh, the development of awareness on the, on, uh, the most important function of, of the body, which is breathing. And body sensations, of course, go together. And the postures, walking, the, po walking of, the posture of walking. And that's about these three. They are the main stream, so to speak, of the formal training. I take other aspects, exercises. I let you lie down on the floor, lift your big toe or your small one, wiggle your small finger or your 
your indication finger, whatever, or your ears, whatever is conducive from my own experience taken as an, and serves as an assistant, assisting method or pattern for the great develop, for the great uh, stream developing awareness. And we take the drum sometimes. Jane, did you bring it? Yeah. Uh, the drum or something else. And we bend down in strange ways and lift our knees in other ways just to support our minds to be present. It's difficult. It sounds easier than it is. So, and in that we are developing uh, ourselves in three aspects, um, which uh, is actually the division of the Buddha teaching. We develop this under correct understanding or wisdom develops through the, um, uh, through the training um, and development of three aspects of our being. The moral aspect is one, then the spiritual aspect is a real practice. It is making mind and heart steady, and then it develops um, the clarity, and uh, we come to understanding, to right understanding and developing clarity of vision. We look into it on energy level, energy level, and see through direct experience, experience what's happening. How it all works here, how body works with mind, and how mind works with body, and how emotion works with our heart, and how the heart works with emotions. So, <clears throat> in, and that is a clear vision, it does not come via the mind's intellectual understanding, clear vision of this energy field we live. On one level, it is all met as one and the same. That all these aspects of ourselves have a common denominator. Fine, fine, fine material energy. So, so in the Buddha calls this three division of his teaching sila, samadhi, and panya. It's a nice, nice names. If you find a stray dog, call it sila. If you need a name for your future uh, child or grandchild, call it call it uh, 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 panya or um, um, samadhi, or, as I have, I called an additional house which I acquired in my center uh, two years ago or three years ago, and we called it Samadhi House. Sama, I gave the name to Samadhi, to, to the house, Samadhi, the practice of making mind and heart steady, bringing it to um, steadiness. We're not steady. That means secure and confident and all other nice things, which make us stop reaching out for these things we think are giving us security. 
There is, by the way, a very nice book. I forgot about it. <clears throat> I saw it recently in my library. It's called The Wisdom of Insecurity by my dear old friend Alan Watts. And I have never read it. He gave it to me. Now I'm going to read it. But I saw it. I have it. You will not find it, I think, in, in, the, in, in, in the bookstores anymore, but in older, in, in, uh, in old bookstores, second-hand stores. Now, my dear Dharma friends, Dharma sisters, Dharma brothers, this was all for tonight in telling you what you are up to when you come to Vipassana meditation course. I gave you actually the whole Dharma already. If you un <laughs> when you understand that, actually you can pack, you can go home. <laughs> Don't need to stay and to go through the suffering. <laughs> but before you leave, for number one, you come and tell me. I want always to know when you sneak out. <laughs> and, uh, and then secondly, uh, you, you don't leave before you have thoroughly investigated this in you. This understanding, is it really complete? Do I understand completely? Then you don't go if you have no yes answer. Hmm? And if you are insecure or unsure. This is another beautiful aspect of this practice. It brings us uh, very naturally to self-honesty self about ourselves. There is nothing, nothing there which can be hidden when, before us when we are engaging the so eye of discrimination, the eye of attention and penetrating awareness. So now that, uh, after we have now understood a little bit our, do you hear? Yeah? Yeah, understood a little bit <clears throat> what we are up to. As I said, we now can make the real beginning or the beginning according to the tradition. I like tradition, even if I deviate a little bit of patterns. But they are not really deviation. As I said, they are support. <clears throat> Some of the traditional patterns to do is very beautiful. And the, here is one which is the beginning for each meditation period. For those who are real devote, devoted Buddhists or, or meditators, they can do that, what we call the threefold refuge, every time you sit down <clears throat> and consciously commit yourself to this abiding in the Sangha, in the Buddha, in the teacher, our ultimate teacher, in the Dharma, the teachings, and in the Sangha, everyone who teaches, who, who goes and has stepped upon this path. So we, can, we, we will speak this ancient formal as a formal ceremony for initiating 
now our practical as part and um, I think we have 25 minutes so that is pretty good I can imagine you would like to alleviate a little bit uh, some certain discomfort of your sitting posture so would you please then let me just finish before I that's a seal for what we said about Vipassana and now let's get up Well, in order to save time, I think we could speak it whilst we are standing. Yeah? Uh, please assume a standing which is away from your mat on the floor. And um, kind of realize this um, standing, which reaches from the soles of your feet to the top of your head. See, we already are practicing being mindful to this living process. And uh, let your hands maybe be, um, it's better for holding the energies in, maybe in front of you, a, a joint. I like it this way, and then I take the other one, and then do this, and tuck it uh, uh, into your diaphragm region. If you have a little belly, that is very helpful this time. You can rest it there. <laughs> so, so you now realize that you are standing, that we have finished our first even, um, evening's talk, our initiation into the Dharma, into our practice. And you may realize that you are evaluating it. Was it good? Did you understand it? Could you say yes to it? Or do you have still some questions? Let it all go and realize you and all of us here, as I am told, we have 103 registered. I'm sure some have, have had anxiety and, and, and canceled or for any other reason. And realize that you are standing with all those who are in this room feel the effect of what we have shared about Dharma, Vipassana meditation, right understanding, and the discovery, the energies of discovery, discovering this right understanding. We said it cannot be done by the intellectual mind. We have to go deep into our being. The traditional beginning of taking refuge in the Buddha, Dharma and Sangha helps us to sink into our being. The first refuge. I take refuge in the Buddha, the one who shows me the way in this life. Would you like to repeat it or say it silently? We can all speak it together. 
I take refuge in the Buddha, the one who shares me the way in this life. Sec that means also I acknowledge the seat of enlightenment within me. And I also acknowledge all the good, all the qualities which are embodied by the Buddha. Fearlessness, security, safety, love, compassion. Second refuge. I take refuge in the Dharma. The way of understanding and love. Love. That is understood what it is. It is the way of understanding and love. It is the teaching of the Buddha and acknowledging also the potential in ourselves for awakening to the truth. Number three. I take refuge in the Sangha, the community of mindful harmony. We do it the short way the second time. Everybody, for the second time, I take refuge in the Buddha. For the second time, I take refuge in the Dharma. For the second time, I take refuge in the in the um, Sangha. Third time, let's change our our hand position and go to this one, which is the conventional one. We can see in it coming together in the duality of right and left, of dark and light. I take refuge in the Buddha. The one who shows me the way in this life. I take refuge in the Dharma, the way of understanding and love. For the third time, I take refuge in the Sangha, the community of mindful harmony. Right. Let go and please sit down. Now, um, with taking the refuge <coughs> belongs also the commitment to conscious conduct of life. We are taking five precepts which become uh, our um, training in uh, toward conscious conduct of life. We refine our grossness 
and to begin to establish in that a safety for our very fine spiritual work. We refrain from um, gross actions, taking life, taking what is not given. We refrain from uh, doing any harmful harm um, in our intimate life. We refrain from uh, unwholesome speech and of substances which are um, harmful for body and mind. Those who have practiced are very familiar with this. I will one evening talk about it in more de details and s so that we can take it as up as a beautiful training in our lives at, at home. So, um, let us uh, uh, speak uh, the, them aloud, I think, that let's, uh, um, as those who have taken it, renew this commitment um, and to integrate it more into more, uh, integrate it to such an extent that we can transform these um, um, restraints from what I just said, these five precepts, into beautiful qualities, into virtues. Um, I accept the training to refrain from taking life and being violent. Please. Second, I uh, accept the training to refrain from not taking what is not freely given. On the positive side, it would mean I am practicing generosity. I'm not taking. I am not uh, just wanting. I am giving, opening my heart in forgiving and for sharing <clears throat> goods and whatever is for me possible to be shared. Number three, I commit myself to the training to abstain from um, being harmful. No, I, let's me, let me do it shorter. I uh, commit myself to the training to abstain from sexual misconduct. Number four, I commit myself to the training to abstain from unwholesome and harmful speech. Number five, I commit myself to the training to abstain from substances which are poisoning body or mind. To that poison belongs also wrong entertainment, 
and wrong television shows or too much television, too much magazines and so on. He wouldn't think of that, but that is poison for the mind. That will, we can all talk about it when we are talking about these five precepts, this part of our lives called sila. So now we have ten minutes left, my dear friends, with this. And we can now enter uh, the next phase in a very light way, like we did in this phase of sila. The next part of the teaching is mental training, samadhi, making heart and mind, uh, cultivating it to a steadiness. Now, in ten minutes, we cannot do much, but we can do the beginning. Would you please be so kind and realize that we are going to do that? Receive some guidelines for doing this, cultivating, being aware of body, of breath, of body sensations. Would you be so kind and close your eyes? And... uh, um, Collect yourself. Uh, Somehow let thoughts go, let all words go, and realize that you are alive and that we are about, that we are entering a spiritual training. Let us realize this human form sitting here as you feel your eyes closed. Feel the air which we all share around you. Feel the air breathing, being breathed by you. And be aware of your body sitting here with closed eyes see whether you can feel the the signs of aliveness the movement of the this breath of a breath whether you realize you are in, in close connection with your human body. You are present here in this human form, realizing it again very generally and openly Feel it in your arms. Feel the life pulsating in your wrists. Notice perhaps obvious places in which you feel obvious uh, 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 place, obvious tensions or tightness. Maybe in your jaw or in your shoulders or neck and maybe in your eyes can we let 
then become more soft. And do it again. Notice with your, that your eyes are closed, that you permit them to be covered gently by your eyelids. And you may realize that you are needed, needing more softness in your jaw or chin. Just being present here in to this human form. We have a name for it. Could you whisper it? Let the hands and arms rest easily. See what you have to, to do to let go here. Let them come to more quiet, resting on the knees, in your lap, on your thighs. Feel the fingers giving into this rest. And let the belly be soft. And the breath come more easily if possible or naturally. By just noticing the fact that you are breathing in or out without the impulse to change it. Let all that what we have touched now with our awareness, these things, be as they are. Feel their life, uh, uh, life's pulsation. Feel the energies of your hands in your chin, in the touch of your breath. Feel it there, where you rest throughout your spinal column and sit and be in contact with the floor. Feel it again, this strong um, um, part of our lives, of our body spinal column, feel the erectness it gives us throughout the torso. Let the body come to more rest throughout the whole back and shoulders. And once again, feel the breath in this human body.
notice it again being breathed, receiving the breath in the breath in the chest or in the nostrils or in the belly or shoulders. Can we allow the next breath to come of its own? Can we allow the heart to beat? Feel one or the other again. Wherever you feel it, in the belly or in the nose, nostrils, in the movement of the chest, We are using this body and its, its um, breathing process as a way to quiet and center the mind. Can we realize that? Let the thoughts come easily. Let them just arise as you are noticing body, breathing, sitting, sensing sensations. Let your mind which concentrates into these different parts of your human form make you peaceful and calm and open. Let the thoughts arise and go away. Notice when you get pulled away with them, return to body to the wrist, to the hands, to the knees, wherever you feel invited. Just as we let go the thoughts, we also let go that what we feel and what we observe in the wrist, in the arms, there where I have contact with the earth. I sense it, I allow it to be sensed. I experience the touch of life and I go to another place, keeping the mind close to its own abode, where is no talk and no thought.
then let us take a moment now of just being present as though you are present in the center of your being. Open your awareness like an umbrella, like a fan, and let the whole human body with its breathing be received in this open, receptive awareness for no reason other than just to be present to this human form and to the rhythm of life, to the rhythm which sustains this body in its aliveness, breath, breathing. That is the beginning always for every effort attempt to bring steadiness for body, I'm sorry, bring steadiness into mind and heart. using the body as its base. Let it breathe again. Notice this human form sitting, being in attention, being attended by the mind which inhabits it. And with this, my dear Dharma friends, we have made the beginning into the second part of the teaching, making mind and heart steady, samadhi, developing awareness, ability to see clearly, directly, my life. And the third part is the outcome of this practice, is the ability to see clearly, clear vision. Can you get a feeling of that right now? In inner clear vision, a vision of yourself, not as arm or head, but as life, being in constant flux, being not still. And let your breath now become a little bit more the main resting place. Um, as you are noticing your body in different aspects and places, we now begin to get a touch of this essential function, breathing. And take another minute to notice it there where you most clearly feel it and notice these body sensations which come with breathing in 
and out. And if you feel yourself, you have to help and to assist your breathing for you don't feel any, then no very, um, let it be a conscious act. You realize you are helping it a little bit along. Slowly let it come, be drawn in, guided in that breath. You can make one or two, three stages and slowly do you guide the breath back just to get a touch of it. of this miraculous thing, breathing, breath keeping my body alive. And we talked about death in our um, talks tonight. That means that the next breath does not come. And when you feel it come, it's a beautiful, beautiful moment where we can appreciate our lives consciously. <laughs>